Hi, this is Adam Bergman, IRA Financial. Today, I want to discuss shark takes and your self-directed IRA. So I've been doing this for over 10 years, uh, before that as a practicing attorney. Um, and the self-directed IRA industry has grown tremendously over the last 10 years. There's incredible companies in the space uh, that help thousands and thousands of clients each month self-direct their retirement accounts. But you know, each each week, if not each day, uh, I am uh, always surprised at the number of tales um, I hear about and stories that um, clients and individuals that I come to work with have been told about transactions and investments they can do with their self-directed IRA. So I thought it would be a fun and interesting topic to kind of talk about some of the more popular uh, shark tales, I like to call them, uh, and uh, self-directed retirement investments. So the first and largest shark tale, I, I like to say, uh, and when I say tale, um, I mean a, a fictitious story, something that is being told uh, that is not accurate. And the first one is generally, yes, you can invest your retirement money um, in a uh, structure, an investment, a business that your children or parents or other lineal descendants are involved in, so long as they own less than 50%. So people read the tax code, and, and I encourage people to do so. And if you look at 4975C, uh, it says you can't do certain things if it involves a disqualified person. And then you, when you look at 4975E2, it defines what a disqualified person is. And if you look at a disqualified entity, it talks about 50% or more interest owned by disqualified persons, i.e. the IRA owner or his or her lineal descendants, parents, children, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. However, people kind of stop their analysis there and don't go any further. And unfortunately, you cannot do so because other parts of 4975, along with case law, suggest a far different uh, analysis that is required to be done. Number one, it's an objective analysis. The IRS has the power under self-dealing and conflict of interest type of prohibited transactions under 4975, C1, D, E, and F to... Um, argue that a transaction is prohibited even if the definitions of a disqualified person aren't satisfied. So, for example, uh, there's a case, Rollins v. Commissioner, um, and it's a well-known tax court case, um, and it involves a Mr. Rollins, uh, who was an accountant, and Mr. Rollins owned an interest in a company. It was actually under 50% uh, interest. Um, and basically what occurred is Mr. Rollins, who was not an employee but a director, uh, the company he worked for or he was involved in personally, uh, he didn't work there. So let me uh, confirm that. He did not work there. He was a director and an owner, less than 10%. Um, and the company needed money, so he took his retirement money, his 401k, lent the company money, um, and the IRS argued it was prohibited, it was self-dealing. Um, they argued that Rollins didn't make the loan to help himself, well, to help his IRA, it was done to help himself. So based off that analysis, they argued that the transaction was prohibited because 
the investment was done to benefit himself personally and not his IRA, and thus it was prohibited. And the tax court agreed and said, even though he owned less than 50%, so if you just looked at, at 4975C and the definition of disqualified person for an entity under E2, you would say, oh, Rollins owned less than 50%. Okay, of course he can take his personal money and lend it to the company. Why not? He owned less than 50%. The entity is not disqualified. End of analysis, he can do it. And for too many people, that's where their analysis stops. But that's not the case. And the court was very clear, saying that it's based off the facts and circumstances. And in this case, because Rollins did this transaction with his retirement account to benefit himself personally and not his retirement account, it wasn't that loan didn't, wasn't done to help his 401k. It was done to help him personally because the tax court argued that he couldn't prove that there was any non-personal benefit. Clearly, the money was going to help his personal interest, potentially save his investment. So that's the, the probably the, the most popular shark's tale I hear is people are being told, well, you own less than 50% or your kids own less than 50% or your parents own less than 50%. So yeah, you can invest in that business or you can do a joint venture in a real estate uh, environment. That's not a problem. They own less than 50%, you're 100% fine. And that's the issue. And we know that it's not the case. Uh, the Rollins case, there's several other cases, and we know from uh, IRS guidance that they can easily argue, if, if they thought the facts bared out, that you can enter and trigger a private transaction if the disqualified people own less than 50%. So that's a major shark's tale that I hear. Now, the second most popular one is commingling. Uh, I can't tell you how many times or how many calls we get here at IRA Financial where people say, well, I have 80 grand in my retirement account or uh, and the property is 120, can I take 80 and 40 personal and just do the deal? And it's really the same analysis as Rollins. And there are some custodians out there that say yes. Uh, well, as long as it's funded together, it can be done. And they take the analysis of the Swanson case that basically says that the entity, uh, a newly established entity that's funded with retirement money only becomes disqualified upon funding. So they take the argument, well, if you put in personal and retirement money simultaneously at, at the outset on establishment, then it only becomes disqualified after the, after the fact. And that maybe is true, but they're not remembering self-dealing and conflict of interest. And the IRS easily argue that, hey, if you took 80000 purse of retirement money and 40 personal, um, could an argument be made that the retirement money is helping you personally buy the property? But for that 80000 you maybe would not have been able to have a personal interest in the property. So they can flip the analysis. And again, it would be the burden could, will be on the taxpayer to argue that, no, the transaction was not done to help me personally. It was done solely to benefit the retirement account. And you obviously got to make that argument, and the court or the IRS has to agree with it. So um, again, it's based off facts and circumstances, but uh, maybe I'm overly conservative, but I don't want to put any of my clients' retirement money at jeopardy for a prohibited transaction. I do not believe you should commingle personal retirement money, clearly in a closely held company setting. So yes, you can take your IRA and personal money and buy Facebook stock or Google stock or GE stock. Um, that's clearly not an issue because there's millions and millions and millions of shareholders. But in a situation where there's less than 50 shareholders or 100 shareholders, and it's not a publicly traded company, so we're talking about a private placement, uh, subscribing to a private interest in a, a fund or a business, uh, I don't re recommend 
you mixing personal retirement money in the same transaction or the same fund. I think it's highly risky. I think the burden falls on the taxpayer to prove there's no self-dealing or conflict of interest. The IRS, I've seen them get aggressive. They're smart. Uh, they can attack these transactions. So you, you need to be cautious. Um, and the most important thing is self-directed IRAs uh, are super safe and secure. They give you great opportunities to invest your money as you see fit. And there's only a couple rules you got to keep in mind. And basically, there's three. Can't buy life insurance with an IRA. You could with a 401k, not an IRA. You can't buy collectibles like art. And thirdly, more importantly, you cannot do any transaction that directly or indirectly involves or benefits a disqualified person, which is the IRA holder or his or her lineal descendants. Now, that also involves entities owned by such persons. And we see from Rollins that even if you own less than 50% or a disqualified person owns less than 50%, it still can trigger a prohibited transaction. So I get calls all the time. I got a call yesterday, uh, so July 26, 2018, where someone asked, well, um, I have a client, their kids own 22% of a company, closely held, there's only six shareholders, company does need some money, can the father lend the company money? Uh, I was told from several other IRA companies that that was not a problem because they own less than 50%. Um, and I, <laughs> I basically just explained to the client exactly what I'm telling all of you, that hey, no, there's Rollins, there's 49.75, it's facts and circumstances, it's extremely risky, our compliance department would not approve an investment like that, um, and we suggest you not do it. Um, I get others where it's 18% or 35 or 45 or 49 and the same type of analysis. Uh, again, it's facts and circumstances. It could potentially be possible where you know the children have a 7 or 8% interest in a uh, company with 60, 70 shareholders that's doing fabulously and the dad wants to own by a half percent interest in the company. Uh, it could be possible where that transaction would work. But again, it's based off facts and circumstances. That's why you want to work with experts who understand the rules that can help you navigate the prohibitive transaction rules, help you understand all the facts, and you know, make put you in a position where you can better understand and seek the advice of lawyers if you have to, uh, whether uh, a transaction is prohibited or not. But those are really the big two shark tails, um, and I call it a shark tail because unfortunately, there's a lot of businesses out there in the IRA world where um, they're looking to attract clients and they're looking to grab clients any way they can. In some cases, there's uh, tales that are being told that are inaccurate and false. And uh, I'm out here, um, and I, I think that's one of the reasons for the IRA financial success and our reputation is um, we look long-term, been in business 10 years uh, almost. We want to be in business another 50 years, and we'd rather lose clients um, because they are potentially doing something prohibited uh, than, than getting more clients and having them get into trouble, and uh, it just creates a bad situation. So we know that the clients appreciate our honesty and our commitment to follow you know, what the, the, the rules state, and it turns out that those clients end up coming back with family members or uh, different investments, and we end up you know, getting them as clients anyway. So we just think that's the better approach. We respect and, uh, and know that everyone worked really hard for their retirement account, and um, we don't want them to invest in a prohibited transaction. That's something that we uh, you know, take uh, pride in, in, in making sure our clients understand the rules and, and they understand the risks. So Adam Irie Financial, um, I hope you... Uh, 
appreciated. Uh, kind of enjoyed this uh, podcast. It's not meant to scare anyone. Uh, it's not scary stuff. IRA investing. It's fun. You get to do what you pretty much what you want in terms of investments, whether it's real estate, cryptos, our money loans, private equity, private funds, private businesses. You can do it all. Just stay away from mixing money in transactions that you or lineal descendants or entities you own. Uh, are involved in. That will make your life much easier and it will protect your retirement accounts uh, so you can sleep easy at night. Adam Irie Financial, if you have questions on prohibited transactions uh, or, or anything relating to uh, IRA's 401ks, call us. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow us on Twitter at IRAFG, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, thanks for listening and uh, until next time.